Welcome to a new episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, Washington football team Wire managing editor Brian Manning stops by and lets us know everything about the team ahead of Sunday's big matchup. Also, we check in on the weekly press conferences for the Chiefs as they prepare in hopes of getting back to their winning ways against Washington. But first, as always, we check in with Chiefs Wire managing editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from Sunday's loss to the Bills? It'd probably be a better question to ask me what didn't stand out, or at least the list would probably be smaller. But I'll I'll try to just summarize. Look, I think the biggest thing with the Chiefs is that they're playing, I guess, disjointed football. Very disjointed football right now. Uh, We always talk about playing complementary football, right? You know, Offense, defense, special teams, all playing with that common goal in mind and coming together and playing a good game. Well, Kansas City is not playing anything close to that right now. Because when the offense is hot, the defense is cold. When the defense is hot, the offense is cold. And when the defense and offense are both hot, the special team starts to act up. So, I mean, they're they're basically like that old car that's sitting in your garage that you've been fixing up for years it's never 100% perfect. You still take it out for a run every now and again. Uh, but something is always going wrong with it. And, you know, the problem is in the NFL, you got to be perfect on Sundays because the parody in the league is just that great. Uh, you, you, you have one mistake on either side of the ball and it can have a significant and glaring effect on the outcome of the game. So I think moving forward... You know, the focus needs to be eliminating the mistakes, uh, be it turnovers, penalties, running the wrong routes, uh, blown coverages, uh, you know, not getting off blocks and making tackles in the run game. They need to do all these things to play better complementary football. And, uh, you know, I want to see when the defense gets a stop, go down the field and do something with it. We haven't seen that often this year. I think they've had maybe one or two scenarios where the defense has gotten a stop and they've been able to put uh, uh, six points on the board. So, I I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I I think you need to see them play more complementary football going forward and and focus on correcting those little little errors that seem to be compounding each other and holding them back. Who has been the biggest disappointment on the Chiefs defense so far this season? I want to say Jaron Reed, uh, but considering the expectations heading into the season, it's Legereus Sneed, and I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, He's dealing with what is often referred to or described as a sophomore slump. You know, a player comes in, they have a good rookie season, they come out the next year, and and they're not performing as well. Well, right now, he is definitely slumping. He's allowing a uh, 152.8 passer rating into his coverage. It's nearly a perfect passer rating. With 19 receptions, 257 yards, and three touchdowns surrendered so far this season. Those numbers are courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Uh, of players with at least 200 snaps, it's like literally the worst cornerback in the NFL. The worst. Sneed is playing... Playing the like the worst cornerback in the NFL. I don't think he's actually the worst in the NFL, but the numbers say he is. And, you know, he was expected to be a shutdown corner this year. 
slot outside wherever he was playing the expectation after his rookie year was that he was going to build on that and have a phenomenal year and instead he's been on the struggle bus with the rest of the Chiefs defense and yeah I'm not really sure I can't really pinpoint one reason why I don't know if he's dealing with an injury or if there's something else going on there if he's making an adjustment playing more in the slot um or if he's just been you know they've had some really good matchups on him early in the season I'm just not sure but uh, he is struggling, not playing up to par, uh, and, and you know you you want to see him improve if you're if you're Kansas City and if you're Steve Spagnuolo, you need to see him improve. How will the Clyde Edwards-Alaire injury affect the Chiefs moving forward? Yeah, I think it's going to force the team to get uh, more creative in the run game for sure, and whether that means using motion, multi-back sets, or just more run-slanted RPOs. Um, I, they've got to do something there. And one thing I'd like to see is the team using somebody like uh, Michael Hardman out of the backfield more. And I think we saw him even in, in the backfield uh, this past game. But just his speed and the threat of it, it is really, I mean, it's something they need back there. I mean, Daryl Williams, Derek Gore, they're not really speed guys. Jarek McKinnon has decent speed, but... They just don't have that home run threat right now. And teams are going to let the Chiefs get these, like, you know, two, four, six-yard runs on the ground and play this cover two shell that's been beating, you know, Mahomes and the pass catchers. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs used to do that with Michael, uh, not Michael Hartman, but with uh, Tyree Kill. They used to use him as a receiver out of the backfield uh, sometimes when, when uh, Alex Smith was quarterback. And, uh, you know, kind of in that period where, you know, between when Jamal Charles uh, re- uh, left the team or was released and, uh, you know, when they were trying to kind of figure out what they were doing at the running back position. But uh, I think Hill's probably too valuable to put him back there because you're going to expose him to some big hits that running backs can take. But I think Hardman's a guy who should see some snaps there. That's not to say that he's expendable, but I, I think that he has the speed and the ability to be a difference maker out of the backfield there, uh, you know, not just in the running game, but in the passing game. And maybe he can get defenses to respect that a little bit more. Should Chiefs fans be concerned that Patrick Mahomes has committed more turnovers already than he has in his past couple years? I, you know, uh, I don't think so. I mean, listen, uh, Mahomes has been like an alien in his first three seasons in the league. A- at some point, in time he was going to come back to earth and uh this year it seems that is happening with the turnovers at least i mean he's still pacing for well over uh 4, yards and to break the nfl's single season passing touchdown record um we know he's actively working to eliminate the turnovers specifically the ones that he can control not the uh the hill and kemp pop-ups but you know ones where he threw a ball that he probably shouldn't have thrown and uh, whether I mean whether he can get those under control, it just remains to be seen. But everything we've seen from him to this point suggests uh, that that he can get it fixed. I mean, he could go without throwing an interception for the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised, though. I would just as likely not be surprised if he were to throw more picks as early as next week, just the way the season has gone. But I, I just don't think uh, that you should be concerned about Patrick Mahomes right now. I think we're seeing some adversity for the first time in his career. And I think it's exciting to kind of see how he's going to respond to that. I think, you know, last week he kind of 
did respond to some of that adversity, but he took like a, a couple steps back this past week. So um, I'm interested to see what types of steps forward he takes this year and, and whether or not he can kind of, you know, flip the script on, on what these early season struggles have been and somehow maybe turn those struggles into an advantage. What are your thoughts on the roughing the passer penalty called on Frank Clark? Look, there's a reason that Travis Kelsey once said that uh, Carl Shefford shouldn't even be allowed to work in a footlocker. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, but I, I mean, he's one of the NFL's longest tenured uh, referees, and he's had some questionable calls during his career. And uh, I, I think there's a level of, you know, questionability to this one. <laughs> but uh, that said, I think you can understand how the roughing the passer call happened, right? Um, you look at the slowed down version and Clark does everything right, tries to let up, doesn't, you know, drive the quarterback into the ground. But in real time, it's a big collision that happens pretty fast on a wet surface. That, you know, it's happening in the rain happens boom boom play boom boom call and um so you can understand how that was called but at the same time i I just think it speaks more and more to the nfl's need for a sky judge uh someone who can overrule a call on the field if it stinks because frankly that one stunk that's exactly what you want defenders to do when they're hitting quarterback after the ball's been thrown and and, you know he's not leading with his head he's leading with the shoulder was trying to get his body weight off of the quarterback, didn't drive him to the ground. You couldn't see that in real time. Like, you just couldn't. You can not You can see it when it's slowed down. So uh, I, I think it just, again, it, it speaks to the NFL's need for, for someone uh, up in a booth who can look at all the angles and overturn calls on the field. That's all. Who do you believe is the X factor heading into week six versus Washington? Uh, I'm not going to say like any one player is the X factor this week. I think the Chiefs pass catchers need to have a good game. Uh, Washington football team, they have surrendered 14 receiving touchdowns this season. That's good for the second most in the National Football League through five games. And uh, the passing game, they have to get back on track for Kansas City, uh, especially in this one against an opponent that that has surrendered a lot of these passing uh, and receiving touchdowns. And uh, it's not going to be easy, though, because you got Chase Young uh, going on on the defense versus Orlando Brown Jr. and Lucas Yang. So that's kind of a a pretty big matchup right there. And uh, so I'd say the pass catchers and the bookend tackles are really the ones who need to step this, this game up a little bit for Kansas City. And they're the ones that can really, really change the outcome of the game and and get this team a win, which is much needed. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so there's plenty of stuff on Chiefs Wire uh, recapping both last week's game uh, and looking ahead to next week and even beyond next week. Uh, One, for instance, the NFL trade deadline is just about three weeks away. There's a report out there that the Chiefs have looked into adding Colts running back Marlon Mack. I don't think that's going to happen. However, there's some other info in that report on a potential deal between KC and Carolina, uh, maybe involving a a swap of some uh, offensive and defensive linemen. So that's that's one I would monitor, given what's going on with the defense, how the Chiefs are just desperate, uh, I think, for some consistency out of their pass rush. Uh, Some other stories we've got, uh, 
Uh, oh, Ed, you had uh, there's some comments from former uh, Chiefs DL uh, Jared Allen on what it's like with the long weather delay. Uh, the Chiefs obviously they had uh, dealt with that last week uh, against the Buffalo Bills. They had an hour long weather delay, lightning delay at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, then what else have we got? Oh, the there's the Daniel Sorensen one. Uh, that ruffled some feathers. <laughs> but uh, a Chiefs fan by the name of Chandler Willander, I hope I'm not butchering your name, fella, uh, he started a GoFundMe to quote-unquote buy out Daniel Sorensen's contract. Now, look, Dirty Dan hasn't played well at all, and fans are frustrated about it. But you got to recognize, this was all, this, this GoFundMe is all in jest. You can't buy out the guy's contract, and the Chiefs can't cut him without burning cash. Um, so it, it's not going to happen. But if you actually look at the GoFundMe, it benefits 15 in the Mahomes with funds being sent directly to Patrick Mahomes' uh, charity organization there. So, look, I, you know, we're, we're highlighting what, what Chiefs fans already know about Dirty Dan, providing some more information on his contract, as well as potentially directing you guys to a way that you can make a difference. Um, so check that out uh, if you have some spare change and what have you. Um, but yeah, uh, that's really what we got. We got plenty of preview content coming up next couple days leading up to Washington football team game in week six. Heading out there to D.C. should be a good one. As always, we appreciate you guys for uh, checking out the Chiefs Wire, checking out uh, our podcast here on all the different podcast uh, <laughs> venues that are out there, so to speak. And uh, you know what we say this time? Go Chiefs! Yeah, I think you. I think I think first off, you have to look at the coverages that you're facing, um, seeing the coverages, being able to recognize those things, and then kind of once you do that, you can slow things down. Um, then you're able to go out there and and make the right decision and not not take those chances, especially at certain points in the game. And so, uh, uh, just doing that, and then, and then going back to my reads and trying to be true to those and, and making sure my my footwork's right in the pocket, and I can just stay true to the reads. Andy suggested the other day that maybe everybody on offense is sort of feeling pressure with what's going on in defense to maybe score every time you get the ball, which I know you always try to do, but there necessarily hasn't been that urgency before. Is there anything to that, do you feel? Do you feel like any more urgency than normal because of what's going on on the defensive side of the ball? Not, not, not at all. I mean, for us, like you said, I mean, we try to score every single time we touch the football. Um, that's how it's been my entire career here. That's how it was. That's, that was kind of the precedent that was set before I even started here. Um, and, and that's kind of how I have my mindset going into every single game is that when we get an opportunity to go out there and, and have success and, and be successful, we have to we have to capitalize that. And that has nothing to do with whatever is happening on the other side of the ball. It's just our job as an offense on this team. Patrick, something else that you mentioned after the game was just the connection with the receivers when maybe they have options after certain plays. Going back and watching the film these past few days, I mean, what, what's the process like to getting back on that same page on those plays? Yeah, same thing. Just you, you, you watch with those guys. You kind of recognize his coverages with those guys. You get a feel for what they're thinking. I mean, not not only was it times that they didn't do it, but there was times where I thought I was making the wrong read. 
Um, and so um, that was, and then me not throwing it in the right position. Um, I mean, that that kind of leads to bad things. And so uh, that that's just gonna go back to us working at our fundamentals, uh, especially me kind of footwork in the pocket, staying true to true to my reads, kind of like I said earlier, and uh, and just just being on the same page as those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a sense, I mean, we we face different coverages than uh, pretty well a lot of teams in the NFL. So you just got to be able to recognize those when you see them. Um, and we've been able to face it for a couple weeks now, where teams are kind of seeing what other teams are playing to us and doing some some of the similar things. And so, um, at the end of the day, it's all about execution. Uh, it's all about us being on the same page. It's about me making the throw and at the right time uh, in the right spot. Um, and so that's something I'll get, keep getting better and better at and uh, try to find ways to score more points. Is it difficult at all to make sure that like, Tyreek sees it's the same coverage that you see it is? Or? Not necessarily. I mean, I think that's just relationships that we've built over time. I mean, uh, I think that's what makes this offense go is that we, we know each other, we know what we're thinking. Um, and we had a, one game, really, where we were a little off on that, and so that's something that we'll have to continue to, to, to get back on that same page and be who we are. Know that you guys are very good at it. You like the big play. How much of a challenge has it become to try to play in that short to intermediate, maybe that 10 to 15 yard range? Yeah, I mean it's, it's something that we worked on at the end of last year. Um, you started seeing defenses kind of play over the top and, and letting us kind of have the short the short gains. Um, so that's something that we've tried to get better and better at. And we've had good weeks this year at it, and then we've had weeks like last this last week where we didn't do so well at it. So uh, um, it's just about it's about execution. It's about taking what's there. It's about running the football. It's about throwing the short completions. And then when, once defenses have to come up because we're, we're showing that we can do that, uh, we'll still be able to connect in those long plays. I know in the offseason you talked about the MRR through it. So with this offensive line, it seems as though you've gotten a little bit more time, and I know the receivers haven't been able to get open. What challenges do you think going up against this front four, including the uh, chase, down, you know, chase uh, over in DC, is, is going to fare for you on this weekend? Yeah, I mean they're, I mean they're, they're offensive. I mean their defensive line is, is talented. Uh, we know that. Uh, I think everybody in this league knows that. I mean they have great players all the way across that D line, and they have great players that come off the bench and play as well. And so it'll be a great challenge for our offensive line. Uh, those guys have been playing well. They've been doing a great job, and so we'll do whatever we can to to let me get the ball out of my hands fast, get it to some of the playmakers that I have around me, um, and let those guys make plays at the end of the day. I know you really don't try to you know run the ball as much as you did. Of course, you led the team in rushing uh, Saturday, Sunday. Is that something that you just take in if, if the defense gives it to you, or? Yeah, I mean it, it's it's kind of that that I mean the defenses are playing a lot of they're playing some man coverages on some third downs, especially this last week with high safeties over the top, so we couldn't throw to Tyreek and stuff like that. Um, and so whenever they kind of opened up and I was able to run, I just went ahead and took it. Um, uh, it's something that I'm sure I'll have to do more this year as teams really concentrate on trying to stop our receivers and guys uh, catching the ball. And so if I have to do that, I'll, I'll do it. And then if uh, hopefully we, I'll have more time where I can just throw to some of those fast guys and let them run down the field. Okay, we're about to chat with uh, Daryl. Um, obviously, Clyde's on, on injury reserve. What tells you that Daryl and then Jarek are, are ready to, to handle these duties? In the uh, I think it's just that they've done it before. I mean, you've seen these guys. Daryl, he stepped up in big in big spots. Uh, his whole career here, uh, filling in, running, running strong, running tough. And then if you watch uh, Jarek uh, McKinnon's career, I mean, he, he's he's been a guy that's made plays in a lot of different spots. And I've I've trust that he'll come in here and he'll and he'll make plays here as well. You got Josh out of the field for nine plays, and I know Coach said that you hope you maybe get more and put guys that hurry up. What did you kind of see from Josh, and and the one catch that he had? What did you kind of see on that play and learn from that? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just shows that he, he can make plays happen. I mean, that was kind of a broken play uh, where I was scrambling, scrambling out to the right, and he's such a big target, I can still see him. So I put it up there, having trust in him, and he went up and made a play. And I thought he did a lot of good things. Uh, I mean, he, he came up the ball hard. He, he ran he ran fast, did stuff. Uh, didn't have any missed assignments or anything like that. So uh, just, uh, just to continue to incorporate him in into this offense, I think it'll help everybody uh, a ton. With that, what do you think can be next for Josh? And, and are there certain things that you want to get to this week that can build on what he can do in this offense? Yeah, I think as he as he gets more accustomed to our offense and how we how we run it and how we do things, I think you'll see him get utilized more and more over time. Uh, I mean, his skill set is, is something that not a lot of people have uh, in this world. I mean, to be that big, that fast, that strong. Um, so I think as you get more comfortable, you see this with receivers all the time, and they start really trusting what they're doing is the right thing in that offense, you'll see him make more and more plays. Hello, everyone. This is Brian Manning, the managing editor of Washington Wire. Brian, once again, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Do you believe the Washington football team are contenders in the NFC East? No. Had you asked me this question four months ago, my answer likely would have been different. There were high expectations for Washington's defense this year coming off last season's NFC East Championship. However, Washington finished 7-9 and last year in the first year of Ron Rivera's tenure in Washington, and that was when Dallas quarterback Dak Prescott was lost for the season with an injury. Washington, which was in the first year of a major rebuild, surprised everyone and won the division. Therefore, expectations were much higher in 2021 than they likely should have been. No one expected the defense to be this bad. Thinks there, there's hopes that the defense will get better as the season progresses because there is plenty of talent on the defense. However, the group has yet to perform together in one game to have a standout game. Each individual players are having good moments, but overall, the secondary is killing Washington in 2021. Who are the key players on defense? Well, I think you start with Chase Young, the second-year defensive end out of Ohio State. Young was the 2020 NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, had huge expectations this season, probably a bit unreasonable expectations. I think everyone expected him to have a massive 20-sack season, which was just asking too much because Young is still working on his pass rush moves. If you'll watch Young, he a lot of times only has one move, and once he develops more moves, he will be hard to deal with as a pass rusher, but right now, he is still figuring things out. He just had his first sack of the season last week in the loss to the Saints. It was a strip sack, which put Washington in good field position. Another player to watch is defensive tackle Jonathan Allen. Allen is probably the best player on Washington's defense. However, he doesn't receive the credit of the other guys. Washington knows how good of a player Allen is. He just signed a four-year extension over the summer. He's not only a great player, but he's also the team leader. If you watch Washington's games back on tape, you'll notice Allen is always in the opponent's backfield. Whether it's a run play, pass play, he dominates. He often faces double teams, just a great player, and he is a guy to watch on Sunday. A, a player to watch would also be safety Landon Collins, but probably for the different kind of reason. Collins is a strong safety who is probably one of the most overpaid players in the game. He can't cover anyone. He's been the culprit of several breakdowns in Washington's secondary this year. 
I'm not going to blame everything on Collins because most players in that secondary have been bad this year. But Collins, who played 100% of the snaps last week, which I have no reason I don't understand that one, but he played 100% of the snaps last week, and he was beaten for a 72-yard touchdown in the first quarter as he bit on a run play, and then he was, by the time Jameis Winston, Deontay Harris went over the top, and then he was gone, and Landon Collins was trailing the play. If you watch Washington back on some pass plays, you'll notice Landon Collins is always trailing on the play. I would say he plays on Sunday, and I think he'll play a lot. However, I think Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio probably are going to make sure that he's not isolated because Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes are probably licking their chops hoping they see plenty of Landon Collins on Sunday. I know that would be my strategy. Who are the key players on offense? Well, I think you start with Terry McLaurin, the third-year receiver from Ohio State. McLaurin's a superstar. He does everything well. He's He can burn you deep. He runs precise routes. He catches everything. He beats elite corners. And last week against the Saints, he only caught four passes. So when you look at the box score, you think, oh, he had a down week. If you watch the game, you'll notice McLaurin was everywhere. He had Marshawn Lattimore beat numerous times through the game, but the ball was behind him or too high on numerous occasions. So while Marshawn Lattimore received a lot of praise last week for his performance, he was aided in that performance by bad quarterback play from Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke. Speaking of Heineke, he is also a player to watch. Heineke can carry you at times, but he can also destroy you at times. He's a, he has the gunslinger mentality, but he doesn't have the arm of your traditional gunslinger. Don't tell him that, though, because he will try to fit the ball in tight windows when even the guys with the big arms wouldn't attempt some of these throws. You love that mentality, but it hurts you against better teams. The Saints had the two best defenses Washington has played in 2021 were the Bills and the Saints. Both games he struggled. He also has a flair for the dramatic in the fourth quarter. He's brought Washington back to win two games in the fourth quarter. I do think he has a big game this weekend against the Chiefs, but there's always those interceptable passes he'll throw. So, Chiefs fans, you can probably expect a few to come your way in the secondary. Another player to watch on offense is running back Antonio Gibson. Gibson had 20 carries last week for 60 yards. Not not a huge game. He had two touchdowns. He's been on the injury report every season, every week this season. Early in the season, it was a shoulder. In the last few weeks, it's been with a stress fracture in his shin. He's played. He's played reasonably well. Gibson is a volume back. He's going to get better the more opportunities he gets. And when you look at Gibson, he doesn't look like a fast guy, but he's one of those one of those guys, once he gets in the open field, he's gone. He has incredible speed, but he's a really big back. He's around 6'2", 220. And this is actually only his second season playing running back as Gibson played receiver in college. Really good player, can also impact the passing game. And lastly, what is your prediction for the game? Well, Again, this is a question I I go back to the first question. I think if you ask me this in June, I say Chiefs win. I say it's much closer. I think it's a a 6-10 to point game in the end. Chiefs are just way better. But you ask me this now, and I know the Chiefs have their struggles, and I know Chiefs fans are probably thinking that Washington is is ripe to pull the upset Sunday. I, I, I don't believe that at all. 
I think this is a get-right game for Patrick Mahomes in his group. I think you could see over 40 points for the Chiefs this weekend. Now, I do believe Washington can score 25 to 30 with ease this weekend, but it, but the defense is just going to be giving up points at a record rate, and the Chiefs leave the game winning by at least 14 to 17 points, possibly much more. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Thank you guys for having me on. I want to once again take the time to thank my guest Brian Manning from the Washington football team Wire for letting us know everything about the team from D.C. heading into Sunday's game. And as always, if you have any thoughts, opinions, or anything that we should be talking about here on the podcast, let us know via our Twitter at The Chiefs Wire, and we'll see if we can get that up for you. I'm Ed Easton Jr. saying check us out next week.